So it is always a joy to take Sri Aurobindo's name under whatever pretext, anywhere, everywhere, or whatever reasons, or without any reason. So thank you for this uh, interesting moment on 150th year of Sri Aurobindo. Sri Aurobindo's life can be looked from many vantage points. For instance, his life can be looked at from a historian's perspective. Academicians, philosophers, poets—these are all different angles through which we look at his life. Another perspective can be as a devotee and a disciple, as those who are aspirants for a greater life, sadhaks and yogis, budding yogis, <laughs> and. there is another perspective from which his life can be looked at which comes straight from the heart of sanatan dharma there are few words which we find enshrined in the sanatan dharma which give us a key to the entire indian life and shrivindra is the finest flower and fruit of that life and some of these words which we find not only epitomized but as a living example that was the way we had works like the ramayana the mahabharata the bhagavat so we understand all that we find in the scriptures right in the embodiment and that's one way to look at shrivindra's life i love to look at it like that for instance we can take some of these keywords one of the keywords in indian thought is dharma so you try to understand this way that way but if you read through shrivindra's life look at his life it's a life of dharma all the three meanings of dharma are there in it dharma is that which holds us and that to which we hold never for a moment we see shrivindra slipping from dharma he held on to that dharma uh, so steadfastly the root the core the stable basis of all existence but dharma is also something which evolves which keeps on taking us towards greater and greater heights and therefore out of that sense of dharma which is evolving we have words like tyag there is always leaving the lesser for the higher leaving the lesser for the higher we see in shrivindra's life so beautifully nalindai in one of his uh, i think it's a talk or a writing a century's tribute to shrivindra where he so beautifully describes that shrivindra's life if we see series of tyag but not tyag as we understand we mix up tyag and sanyas but constantly leaves the lower and the lesser for something higher and yet higher of course when we use the word lower and lesser uh, even shrivindra's uh, baseline is <laughs> too high for many of us and yet we see this constant ascension so we see the life of dharma he stands by dharma so much so that there are moments when he will be completely misunderstood for example when shrivindra leaves the national scene suddenly he was totally misunderstood there were people who took it that he had just gone away shrivindra didn't worry about that he knew why he is going because there was a larger calling he had already done all that needed to be done he had set into motion all the lines of forces along which india will gain independence there was nothing more to be done at that point of time in fact shrivindra was far ahead of his times so when he goes to pondicherry and he is asked 
by people to come back then congress um, i think president john baptista so there is a letter and he is asked requested why don't you come back and he says if i come back none of you will understand what i am saying if you read his national writings he speaks about sacrifice which is the key note more than swaraj swaraj is the result of the sacrifice of yagya sacrifice is not about just uh, so this is dharma we see shurbinder's life of dharma epitomized in his life for the sake of dharma he is ready to do anything nothing is uh, no sacrifice is considered as big for upholding the dharma the same thing we see when he gives his assent to the crips proposal when he puts his money some money in the war fund but it's for the sake of dharma it doesn't matter people will understand misunderstand his own we see you know his own uh, wife she misunderstands at times and yet is always we see a life of dharma then there is another keyword in indian thought which is very closely allied to dharma is adhyatma of course uh, very loosely uh, dharma is no equivalent in english <laughs> it's not religion <laughs> i can't translate it in english uh, though it includes religion it includes ethics it includes morality but it's something much greater much deeper much higher much subtler it includes the entire business of life everything is should be in the life we see you see a simple act when he has to give a letter to be posted shubhendra doesn't say post it he says i suppose it has to be posted this perfect gentleman this comes from the entire you know spirit of the dharma in which he has nothing for oneself all for god so we see that dharma and then adhyatma which again very loosely and wrong um, I, my own of course uh, it's not spirituality spirituality is a very vague general word spirit adhyatma is atma of course we know the self and adhi that which is higher and above so it's a journey of ascension from the lesser to the greater and greater self nowhere else we can find it so beautifully characterized than we in shubhendu's own life it is adhyatma in the true sense that's how shri krishna says in the gita i am adhyatma i am adibhut i am adiyagna then there is another word which is so significant there are many many significant words but one of them is vedanta which is the end of all knowledge if i may say so which may sound paradoxical shubhendu went beyond the end of all knowledge <laughs> why because what we considered as the end of all knowledge was a starting point the reason is we found the ultimate source it is the end of all knowledge shubindu takes the reverse path how is that ultimate knowledge connected with this we find hints of it in the gita we find hints of it in the vedas but it has been lost shubindu once again establishes the connection so it's vedanta of the highest kind i don't like to call it integral non dualism and all those words are absolutely they don't do justice to what it is about so vedanta if you want to see what is vedanta you see shrivindo and you understand what is vedanta just by his life and among these words one of them which we thought arya arya was the noblest ideal of human being he was a warrior and he was a tiller of the soil he tilled his soil for bringing out the fruits of plenty and he battled for the sake of light and the right to be established upon earth within and around we see all these and that's why when shubhendu used certain words in the indian freedom struggle 
it was very often misunderstood swaraj for example was not just gaining independence politically that was of course necessary but swaraj also meant self rule swarat the aryan type so beautifully we see described when kapali shastri comes to see him or when we know his uh, baroda teacher even before that when he comes to see him how you know meet him and he expects a you know person who is all dressed up suited booted and he sees somebody in dhoti on the floor mat and we when he's asked why are you doing this i mean i expected something else he says don't you know this is our dharma this is i am a brahmachari and brahmacharis are forever supposed to live like this and such a brahmachari that apart from shri ramakrishna if there is one i am aware of there may be others brahmachari who was married a grahastha brahmachari visishyorbindo is there in one of his passing comments to someone so we see these all these great words fulfilled in him taken to their utmost consummation yoga again we see there are different paths yoga is yogi is a word again very much misunderstood and misused everybody is doing yoga <laughs> so that's okay but yoga is union with the divine but shurbindo left no route through which you can approach the divine and unite with him and went still further including even the body in the yoga this is something which is so amazing hatha yoga is not including the body in the yoga hatha yoga is you use the body as the starting point to extract that consciousness which is involved in the body release it and take it towards union with the divine but here he is taking the body itself to be included in the process of yoga they are totally different things so very often people think integral yoga means hatha uh, yoga for the body and pranayama for the vital and bhakti for the they are very different from the way shirbinda has used the word so and then of course one of the word key word which we thought we could pick it up is yagya his whole life can be described in this way life of dharma life of the aryan ideal life of vedanta what a vedantin is if one wants to see rather than read and a life of yoga what yoga is how does a yogi live speak arjuna had asked krishna and shri krishna gave him all the inner marks but all the questions that he had not directly answered because there was very little time and the context was different shri krishna had shortly noted down okay for later for later for later <laughs> and then he comes as shurbindo and answers those question giving a living example of what a yogi can be i'll see just one thing there is a picture of shurbindo i am sure many of us has seen it in the surat congress no there is shurbindo is sitting lala rajpatrai stand uh, is the lokmanya uh, tilak he is pointing a finger and there is a meli surendranath banerji is there you almost feel it's a what must be going on look at shurbindo's face you want to understand the jeevan mukta here he is and he it is he who had given the command to split the congress very few people know this shurbindo's own language it is he who gave the command to split the congress of course we are not supposed to uh, speak of politics but just you know since we are at it you know i often say this humorously what the lord has split <laughs> it is going to be split again and again <laughs> because it's a divine action everywhere we see you know his each action left the footprints of a god
if you want to understand deva avatar all of them epitomized in shirbindo so his life just dwelling upon his life is the perfect example that we can ever have for ourselves so just we take one word yagya such a significant word yagya is not again when we translate into english sacrifice so by sacrifice we think self immolation somebody who <laughs> offers hears that the least that's not even self immolation very often it is beautification but uh, self immolation is not sacrifice shubhendu makes it very clear in fact if self sacrifice is an act of joy and love in fact it is seen at one angle from one point of view it is the most uh, profitable transaction one can ever have so what is what does one sacrifice the lower for the higher lighting up the flame of aspiration and thereby there are three four levels through which we see humanity moves the law of sacrifice the origin of creation to know that everything it is the indian way of saying oneness and you know interconnectedness of this universe so whoever lives separately only for himself the word sin if ever we see it used in shurbindo's writings it's for this there is even a aphorism where he says that selfishness and meanness are the only sin i find difficult to pardon <laughs> and yet they are so universal that you uh, have to just you know take it so a life where you live as a separate being see how different this indian ideal is from the ideals that we receive living only for oneself only for one separate existence to amass to gather things only to make one's life better we just don't see it in the entire life of shirbindo even while he is there the first sacrifice that geeta speaks of is sacrifice into the senses and the senses into the fire of self control so shirbindo doesn't you know i often say that if one one little thing we can practice when a whole year he goes with a penny for a savlo and a cup of tea i think if there is anything one can ever imagine what was he doing at that time and after all that he has no resentment for his father if he read shorbindos all that he has ever spoken about his father it's always something good something beautiful it's something amazing i mean somebody else would say you see my conditions how i was brought up my father didn't provide for me nothing he understands he has all that right from beginning what a high take on point and then when he comes out from that place we see that he starts preparing the ground because in vedas the first you must prepare the vedi then light up the fire not prematurely hastily that's why shubhendu often says that in this yoga i am not anxious to pull people especially when they are young because an artificial and imitative fire can be lit you need to have a inner strength physical psychological intellectual emotional to be able to receive that fire it's not it's lighting a fire is one part but sustaining it it will be subject to all kinds of onslaught so we see in baroda what is described as a period of silent preparation shurbindo is preparing the yagyavedi so his first his own body becomes the altar because this the first altar humanity its house of sacrifice 
So if you look at that life period in Baroda, he started with that fire, Indu Prakash. When you read, it's like he is asking for the highest right away. Nobody is ready, even those who are there. See, all this he must have gone through. That's why in Savitri, when he reaches the seat of the Divine Mother, the highest seat, she says, <laughs> What thou hast won is thine, but ask no more. Alone thou standest at the eternal doors. Man is not ready. He must have seen. That is the reason why he transited from the political field, because nobody was ready even to understand what Shirobindo was saying. And what he must have felt experienced. But even before that, we see his writings in the Indra Prakash. They are like a fire which is coming out as sparks. And it was too much at that point of time. So Shurabindo starts gathering the woods. You know, you must prepare the ground and then must you must gather the woods. Wood, that lakhdi and the samidha. So he is gathering. Slowly we see that he is preparing a whole ground. And when he is in Baroda, we know his life. There is a very interesting phrase in the Gita, which Shurabindo of course reveals at great length, that people who earn or get things from themselves, the next level of sacrifice is, when you sacrifice and you have desires, but you sacrifice. One is where you are Literally looting, wanting to extract forcibly, forcefully. That is of course a very asuric way. But there is another where you act, you offer to the, you know, whatever, to the gods, powers that can give us and then you receive. And then you are happy with it. You are receiving. So that's what is called as receiving rightful sacrifice. There is a third level which is very interesting, which is... um, when I had read it long back, I used to wonder, what does it mean? <laughs> Till I read about Shavindu's life. It was, he receives what is left from the fruits. Whatever is given, he takes the last. This was inbuilt in the Indian tradition, if I may say so. You give to the cow, you give to the crow, you give to the dog, you give to the... <laughs> to the God and then you eat. So this leftover meant that you take only that which is kept for your, just for your needs. And the rest is given. Given to what? Not not like a tamasic way, but given for whatever at that point you conceive as something higher, more beautiful. And that we see with Shurabindu's life in Baroda. He gets money. It's quite a substantial amount of money by standards of those days. What does he do with that money? He keeps it. Literally, practitioner of yajna. Dravya yajna. That's the lowest form of yajna. Dravya yajna, jnana yajna, tap yajna, yogi yajna. They're all yajnas. So, yajna literally means that you're not using it for selfish ends. You're keeping it for the whole. And how he would keep it? He would keep it in the open. The servants, whoever, they would pick it up. And then whatever is left <laughs> for purposes, it's there. His own wife, he asks him. And then Shurabindu says that I have not just one family. There are so many who are there who depend upon me. See, these are parts which we will never know. Who were those who depended on Shurabindu? Whom he was offering, whom he was sharing with. These are aspects we will never know. What were the things in which he was contributing? 
But one thing we know, this Dravi Yagya went to a grand culmination when he left his, um, you know, it's so inspiring that whole story that when he is called for the National College in Calcutta following the Bang Bang, the partition of Bengal, Shubindu goes there leaving a good salary for a very small amount, which he says even that ceased over a period of time. So we have heard about Dravi Yagya. But Dravi Agya to a point where he is not even bothering about what he will get, how he will get. Surely he was sustained. And this continued. Even in Pondicherry, his life is like that. Where he says, God has contracted a bad habit of giving me. I know he will provide, but he provides at the last moment. He says it humorously. Dravi Yagya. Then you have this Tapa Yagya, literally concentrating all the energy is focused on one goal. Whether it be during the revolutionary days, in the jail, subsequently, he is completely focused on one thing, Tap. That is the height of Tap. You concentrate all, it's literally concentrated energy of spiritual endeavor. That is Tap, comes from that same Tap. So all the energies are concentrated on one thing. And his own life, when Milani Devi writes to him, but even there you see his Aryan self. So when Milani Devi complains or, you know, obviously must have been a difficult time for her. Shubindu doesn't tell her, oh, you don't understand what a work I am doing. It's something very great. Nothing. All that he tells us is you are very bholi. You are very innocent. You are carried away by what people tell you. And then he reveals what his greatest and highest aspirations are. And he asks her to come along with him. This was the perfect prototype of an Aryan. He doesn't tell her that no, you don't join my journey. He says you come along. And if you come, your strength will not be diminished, but it will increase manifold. So we see that kind of an ideal where his whole life turns into a worship of the eternal. That time, anybody else would have thought, see, living for the family is a valid aim. But he has already enlarged the scope from the family to the nation. So there are these three few steps. One is the family. So the little self, selfish life done for the family is one step wherein we enlarge the circle of egoism. Shubhinder describes it beautifully in the doctrine of sacrifice in his Karmiyogin writings. But obviously, family is still a small circle. Family for the sake of tribe, larger group, and tribe for the sake of nation, which is what Sri Krishna comes to teach, that cool is okay, but there is something still greater than cool. And of course, she takes to the ultimate. So, greater than tribe is the cool. And that's what we see, uh, greater than cool is the um, nation. So, we see Shurbindo by doing this, was actually giving rebirth to India. Before that, we were told that, you know, India was number of princely states. Well, having state doesn't mean you are not a nation to start with, that kind of idea that we were divided. No. Even now we have states, we have differences, we have different chief ministers. So what? Just because we use the word United States doesn't mean it's all. <laughs> they have even different laws. That doesn't make uh, a divided house. And we were all buying this so he once again, and his way was always from within outward. So when he awakens, lights up the fire of yajna in the Indian nation, he calls for sacrifice. 
when we look at Bhavani Bharti, one of his first writings, what does he say? That there is a demon sitting on my mother's chest. Should I enjoy life? Is this the moment to enjoy life? Or shall I not rush to save my mother from that demon? Just to read these writings gives a glimpse of what he must be going through. And he immediately plunges into that headlong. He lights up the fire and whenever we have in sacrifice, there is the sacrifice, the priest, there is of course the offering, there is the fire and there is the deity. So the deity there is and of course there is the fruit. So the deity in this is Mother Durga, the deity, guardian deity of India. So we see, you know, he lights up and Bhavani Bharti, it starts with the deity is Mother Durga. What is the fruit he covets? Not a position for himself as, you know, we see today's politicians. But he covets the only fruit, Swaraj, Poon Swaraj. He says, this is what we want. And so he has actually laid down everything. What is he going to offer? He says, oneself. So now, it's not just Dravya. He says, what does the mother demand of us? It's a very powerful writing. She wants us to be steel. She wants us to give ourselves. And when we read those writings, it's so clear that his life at that point of time and what a one-pointedness that even when he comes to the Alipur jail, just for two or three days, he describes that condition. Otherwise, such a concentrated life that there also he is constantly, now we see Yogi Yajna, where he is constantly offering all these things into the great sacrifice to the Lord, to the Divine. That all is the divine. That those verses from the Isha Upanishad. He is living by that. So if you look at his life, it starts with an individual yajna, if I may say so, during the Baroda, the early period, where he lives a life of complete giving for something higher. There was nothing which was for himself. In fact, he says in one of his letters that so far I have lived my life like a thief. And this is exactly what you know he describes when he explains in the Gita sacrifice that I have kept 14 annas to myself and given 2 annas to God. That's the life of a thief. So different from our idea of ostentatious, you know, I am giving to God this much. And it reminded me of Mother's story where she says the perfect gift where, uh, you know, somebody came to Shiva. Shiva came disguised as a mendicant and asked the lady to give something and this lady had eaten half and she had kept half she says I have only this much and I will be very happy to give it to you but I have only this much and the mother says that is a perfect gift and best part is she didn't even know that he is Shiva this is the kind of giving we see in his life that all my life is meant for the sake of something higher something greater even for India when he is sacrificing to India for the sake of the Indian, this thing, he is saying, it's not for itself that India is rising. It's for something much greater. This thought was always there, we find in Sri writing, that this giving is not for, just for India becoming independent for its own sake. It rises for the sake of the world. And the world for the sake of the divine. So constantly we see this stream running in Sri life. And then when he comes to Pondicherry, of course, we know what kind of life it was moving from place to place. Now that in the Indian scenario, the fire has been lit, 
and once the yagna has started the gods have come started coming indian independence was a foregone com- conclusion that's why people who doubt that you know will there be an akhand bharat well this matter has been settled long back <laughs> it is a question of time because it has been done through the right process and that is through yagya even one person aspiring for it in the true way and shobindo wherever he did that was his way then he engages into a cosmic yagya larger for the good of earth again whom will he ask for sacrifice it needs human beings so while he is lighting up the fire of the cosmic yagya preparing the ground we always hear that whenever there is a yagya in ramayana you you'll read very vividly it there even in mahabharata certain areas there will be all these asuras and rakshasas will come tadka will come with their you know socialistic ideas of life then <laughs> i mean this is the reason why i am saying so but not going to it <laughs> she will come with those ideals you know no no everybody we are all equal do that without understanding the real sense yes we are equal in the deep essence of things then there will be others who will come to destroy the yagya so first world war is the attempt of the to destroy this yagya bhumi because the mother had come but you see how beautifully the mother turns even that into a yagya by offering her own body if you read through the mother's prayers in fact their birth itself is a yagya if you see sacrifice but when we read the mother's prayers where she says her own body she has offered as a holocaust and there was a whole movement where she was experiencing in her own body all the nations and all that was happening in the war she was experiencing on different spots of the body she had literally become like sati to be reborn as parvati that phase we see that on one side she was engaging into this cosmic yagya in one way and shurbindo was that time engaged in what can be known as the gyan yagya he was releasing idea forces and i have a military image for it seen military image there is a ground level which is war is taking place so the infantry is fighting that's called eye eyeball to eyeball contact then there is the artillery just bear with me this image because i have actually seen it <laughs> so it's very interesting and then there are the airplanes so on ground these people were fighting all over the world then there were big people sitting and planning but shurbindo at that point of time was sending spacecrafts and aircraft into that world completely covering it with those ideas forces which are going to transform the world and it is then that we see in those troubled times he was releasing savitri 1916 is the time when the first official draft of savitri as savitri started so he was engaged in that kind of yagya anybody else i am sure it's such a lesson for us when people are all the time asking what will happen in the russia ukraine war what will happen in this and that here is shurbindo there is a world war going on at that point of time later on he involves himself but that too at a different point of time but shurbindo is busy going far ahead as to what this world will do once the war is over and i have a feeling that the league of nations which came into existence was a result was the fruit of this sacrifice he was releasing the ideal of human unity one cannot even imagine 
of course then it went through successive changes and obviously it's yet undergoing the changes but that is the fruit of sacrifice he was asking through the gyan yagya that there should be unity but on a true basis all the frivolous basis of unity are not going to work out this is something which we see very clearly in shubindu's writings any effort to create unity without finding the true center will not work out we may try it we may have all the meetings we may have all the you know uh, bon homie group programs all that is fine we can do it but unless we discover the true basis that's what shubindu's life teaches us and then of course after this we see something still greater you see when the divine mother arrives she starts drawing her whole body becomes a yagvedi and she starts drawing all the darknesses all the forces into herself it's like she was ready to do a poona hoti she she felt so sick the only time people saw shurbindo a little serious and when people asked him what has happened and he says that she has started taking out of her immense love all the children's miseries of the world into herself and there is a very interesting prayer of the mother which shubindo quotes during that in one of his letters she had asked the divine read that prayer let all the desires of the world come into me she had asked the divine that let all the difficulties and challenges come into me i don't want my children to suffer and she was taking it it went to that point where shubindu had to intervene we know number of stories of those moments and because of this great sacrifice cosmic yagya the god started coming we read this in all these literature of sacrifice yagya yagya when it is conducted all the gods start coming and first the asuras come then the gods come so first the titans came what did they do in the process they ploughed the earth first world war is the coming of the titans ploughing the earth and then we see the gods started coming after that we see the meditations and all the gods would come and there are number of wonderful anecdotes and stories of the mother with the gods one of them is very interesting i mean it's a bit humorous when she was one day saying there nothing like you know she was speaking of humanity that is so wonderful and she was speaking of music and she was she saying that you know some of the gods of the puranas and the next day all the gods came to her on the same day she said but we have music so krishna with his flute and saraswati with her veena and she says all of them came to me look here we have music what she was expressing was something else the human speech can climb to a level the mantra the highest intensity to which human speech is capable so she is you know releasing these things so after the titans the gods come and a new world can be created a god like world dev dev manav but shurbindo you know sacrifice what offering the lower for the higher so what can be greater than dev manav and she goes to shurbindo and says i have created a deva srishti with deva manav you see gods were descending into the disciples amrita brahma varunain nalinida and many others gods started descending and shubindu says we will 
create a religion which is greatest of all religions but this is not what we want so we have heard about renunciations but mother within 2 hours removed all this why because the plan was not deva manav deva manav is a half way home the plan is divya manav a divine creation not a god like creation this is the original plan and shubhendra wanted to complete it because we see in kena upanishad these three levels at which creation operates one is the ordinary life given to senses what i see is true what i hear is true there is another deva the sense behind the sense the eye behind the eye and then the gods are very happy because they are the ones who are motivating these senses to function then there is the eternal who comes and says no 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 wait <laughs> there is something still greater it hints at that it doesn't complete that process but it hints so we see that not deva manav but divya manav what she calls is the overmind creation and removed and then there is a hard work now the yagvedi has to be created once again but much deeper the foundations have to be much deeper already human beings have come who are now ready to become the stones bricks that's why these early pioneers we may understand may not understand them it's a different thing altogether but they are special when rama went for battle with ravana he didn't call the army from ayodhya and magad that's okay that was his greatness <laughs> but the only people who came were the vanaras they came from kishkinda so they are special they were gods who had incarnated as you know vanaras to participate in the work so something similar we have to understand that you know when he started the cosmic yagya yes so the cosmic yagya when he start the ground has to be prepared exactly much more stable solid foundation <laughs> so otherwise it'll break down when the when the divine descends not the gods we can't bear it so we see from 1926 onwards a different foundation then disciples start saying you know i am feeling obscure i am feeling dull and shubhendu say yes the consciousness descended into the physical then in the subconscious domains all these letters and then of course once again when the forces see that oh he is going to create divya srishti not deva srishti their their work has been foiled already first so there is a second wave of attack and it's second wave of attack the second world war they want to completely foil this plan and that's when we see shurbindo to make sure that the yagvedi is prepared that's how we can understand he gave his own body ultimately because he didn't want this foundation to be weak so they come all the forces from the inconscient subconscious even the disciples that time you see at one point shirbindo says that if they want because other things started coming up india india's alliance with britain britain germany all these things were happening a kind of idealism it was a time when asuric maya was at its peak if you read the letters during that time one can see how the asuric maya was at its peak even creating a division of different kinds and shirbindo has to patiently right at one point he says if you want me to close the ashram just tell me that i will close the ashram myself 
because they were not able to understand that this was one of the most deceptive first world war there was all this uh, hegemony and ambition but the second world war was fought on the grounds of utter falsehood and deception so we see hitler rising using arya swastika <laughs> superman <laughs> all these symbols he took up which were divine symbols the word arya he corrupted swastika he corrupted all that he wanted his own way to unite the world but by exterminating superman had to come the the superior ones so all these we see were corrupted by some of these nations it was fought on the ground of falsehood and deception that's why we see in the first world war shobindo doesn't directly intervene this way he intervenes with his forces but the second world war it's utter falsehood which has come out and that's when we see and cruelty to its nadir all those things and then shobindo intervenes and there we see at a point of time when he says we will see and that starts changing the tide of the war and then he plunges into that final yagya ahuti the yagya is going on but all these forces have come and covered the flame with smoke and poison of hatred you know the entire old world order was broken at that point of time that's why you see after that different kind of thought process started so who will offer as him as the foundation so we have this story in the puranas vishnu's ten avatars so one of them is kurma avatar so it's very interesting that ocean has a base but god becomes kurma to have become the base also ocean has a base you could put sumeru but it started going deeper and deeper and that foundation is endless so somebody had to become that base on which the new creation can be built that's why we see after 44 45 on one side the mother starts preparing the physical base that's when the physical education department starts and all this you know children come at the same time mother describes this very interestingly she says he saw that the world is not ready he saw that man is not ready he saw that human beings when they have a choice they gravitate toward the inconscient and the subconscious they side with the asura when they have the freedom so shurbindod and then she says but he didn't blame humanity see that is a sign of the greatest of the great he didn't blame humanity though it is lack of receptivity of mankind he himself plunged into the inconscient to seal that whole thing and then when he enters plunges into the inconscient now he gives that solid base at the same time we see a similar action taking place while during the first world war this so significant for us practically so during the first world war we see shurbindo is releasing idea forces of arya into this world and he started savitri though it came in fullness after 27 went through a phase then during second world war the life divine and savitri once again he is releasing and then when savitri is complete he knows that this is the fire that can sustain the rest of the mantra has been given for the yagya because every yagya has a mantra he gives his own life as an offering the purnahuti 
इट वॉज ए यज्ञ विच डिमांडेड ए कंप्लीट डिवाइन किंगडम अपॉन अर्थ एंड इट नीडेड ए पूर्ण आहुति समथिंग सिमिलर प्रोबेबली टुक प्लेस ड्यूरिंग द टाइम ऑफ रामा वेन सीता गोज बैक टू अर्थ इट इज नॉट द वे इट इज पोर्ट्रेड ए वेरी सैड ट्रेजिक इवेंट बट सी सॉ दैट वर्ल्ड इज नॉट रेडी फॉर द यूनियन ऑफ द डिवाइन सोल एंड नेचर सो सी एक्चुअली प्लंजेज विद ऑल दैट कॉन्शियसनेस बैक इन टू अर्थ शी हेज इम्प्रेग्नेटेड द अर्थ विद दो सीड्स दे वे टू बेयर फ्रूट वन डे एंड सो वी सी दैट श्योर बिंदो मदर वॉन्टेड टू डू द सेम थिंग एग्जैक्टली रिपीट द एक्ट ऑफ द सीता she said if one of us is to go i'll go shubindu says no this was going to be a repeat story he said no you will not go i i'll depart and he goes and creates a base now you see this when we look at it as a yagya how different it is when we say oh shubindu left his body he left the work incomplete there were people who even spoke about physical illness things like that and the mother had to issue that time a very because she is not she said shubindu is a perfect gentleman he will not say but she so beautifully there is nothing mortal about shubindu so with all that fire he takes a plunge you know something very interesting of course we all know that uh, not only the body was a glow later on toward the end that fluid which starts coming out from the body had the smell of lotus and uh, sumantra dau was there in desire he still had it in his hands because he was one of the persons who had carried but more interestingly when udarda said mother i like to believe that shubindu's body will not undergo what usually the body is undergo as the you know disintegration process so i wanted to be arranged like that and she said yes so because this is a question people ask cs even said yes to that his body will not undergo that process and therefore the body was kept in a casket and she wrote what she wrote because he struggled suffered and achieved because it was a result of this last holocaust this great sacrifice which is described in savitri lo it is finished the dread mysterious sacrifice of god's martyred body into this world and then we see that the flames that rose up out of those flames the new creation is born on 29th february 1956 of course the mother carried the yoga much further that's a different story altogether because she out of her infinite love the work was over she wanted to take it to the utmost and shubindra in record of yoga had said 56 57 as the year of fulfillment he had also said passingly in a letter a decisive stage from 4 5 6 7 and we see 69 1 january the superman descended and then after the new body she departs that's a different thing i mean we can't use the word departs whatever process transformation could take place but there is a lesson and a message for us in this entire life of shirbindo our life should also become a yagya so the first thing people often ask how to live you know this life of sadhana and yoga so the first thing that we see is don't try to become a yogi a superman and all that there is a letter of shirbindo that's not the way to take the yoga 
Because there is too much of ego in it. Live only to serve the divine. Live in the divine. Live for the divine. This is the first lesson we get. At least for something larger and whatever may be like people who want to live for the nation. Yes, but only for the sake of the divine manifestation. Otherwise, we will end up creating a national ego. That's not what we want. But the nation for serving the divine will in this world. That's why it's important. The rise of India, the greatness of India, which Shurabindu has said. So this is how we should, you know, orient ourselves. Otherwise, we will end up, there are a lot of people, you know, nationalism can be of a very aggressive, asuric kind, or it can be very devic kind. And Shurabindu says, nationalism is an important step. And a nation is being formed in India. A new and young nation, 100 years back, he has written this. 110 years back. Sounds like, Reads like he is writing today. But not for its own greatness alone. You must have greatness because that's how splendor and everything. But the recovery of the lost knowledge for the sake of the world. Then we see his life as an example. So he, when he is asked, um, how can we serve, what we should do? He says, recover the Aryan spirit, not just in thought, but in speech and life and actions. It's not enough to just read Shurabindo. Oh, that itself is a big step. The kya kya. But to try to live even a little of that teaching, not to live for oneself at all. I mean, this is yoga. Even the idea, when people would ask the mother, Mother, how am I progressing? And she would say, This is the problem. You are still thinking of your progress, your experiences, what I have experienced. I want to experience. So all these things, we immediately see, Shobindo never said, I want to experience like that. He says, I want to see God for the sake of this world. His entire yoga is for the sake of earth and humanity or serving the divine in the human and through the human. To make ourselves a bridge and for that there is no offering which can be enough. That's why the mother insists on self-giving. So we see that these stages of, you know, yajna, where one first is, of course, the most selfish. That's a non-qualifier. People who live only for their separate satisfaction. It's, they're not ready even for the yoga. Then one desires, but sacrifice, then takes the fruits of desire. You know, as desires, fulfillment of this and that. That's a relation we can form with Shurabindra and the mother. But that's not really yoga. But when we offer and give ourselves to the divine for the sake of the divine, this is the real start of the yogic journey, which we see epitomized in Shurabindra and the mother's life so beautifully. And so completely he could renounce Realization is his own body for the sake of the collective realization. This is very beautiful as an end point. Let me just read something. So this is, he says in the uh, Karmyogin with regard to India. The genius of self-sacrifice is not common to all nations and to all individuals. It is rare and precious. It is the flowering of mankind's ethical growth. The evidence of our gradual rise from the self-regarding animal to the selfless divinity. The path is hewn by sacrifice. Perhaps this was the reason Mother says there are many people who are alive but they are dead. 
because they are living only for themselves. <laughs> a man capable of self-sacrifice, whatever his other sins, has left the animal behind him. He has the stuff in him of a future and higher humanity. So, how we prepare ourselves for being a, even a candidate? At one place, he speaks about who is a candidate for Superman. All who are trying to control themselves, master themselves, are a candidate for supermanhood. <clears throat> a nation capable of a national act of self-sacrifice ensures its future. <clears throat> self-sacrifice, involuntary or veiled by forms of selfishness is, however, the condition of our existence. Then he describes all the different kinds of sacrifice. And the other one, which he speaks of as our as participants in the cosmic yagya. So Shurabindu is see it's very interesting line in Savitri. The sacrifice of earth she offers suffering and desire to the immortal ecstasy began once again beneath the eternal's hand. So ordinarily also nature is sacrificing. All our desires, thoughts, everything, we think that it is ours. But they are being carried by nature and offered to the Lord. And He gives what He chooses to give to us. <coughs> we may desire, we may not desire. It's really irrelevant. At the end of the day, we will receive as prasad whatever comes. And it is never meant for one person. It will always be whatever we have given goes to the one, comes from the one and is shared by this entire creation. We may like it, we don't, even in death, there is this sacrifice. Things go back to their different places, different elements. So whether we like it or not, it's extracted of us. But when we do consciously, then we are on the royal road to the divine. So he says, the law of sacrifice, the giving of oneself, or of what? One envisages as belonging to oneself. So he is qualifying. Because many people say, But mera to kuch nahi hai. Okay, fine. But <laughs> you believe it is yours. So it's okay. In a spirit of love and devotion, that is the second part. It's not like I am giving. Now I will offer my hairs, but I want diamonds for my purse. That's not sacrifice. That's bargain. Shabundu would say, That's why when people came to yoga, the first conversation of the mother is about this sacrifice. Light up the fire of aspiration. And then she says that what do you want the yoga for? To help humanity? For yourself? None of these is a qualifier for the yoga. When you want the yoga for the sake of the divine, divine for the sake of the divine, then it's a beginning. So wanting the divine for the sake of the divine it's only logical. What else is worth wanting? And you know, when you have the divine. <laughs> so anyways, he reminds us, it should be done in a spirit of love and devotion. Not like a mechanical thing. Not like a dehadi ka mazduri, six hours work. It's done with as an act of love. That's why in one of the conversations, Mother says, we don't talk about renunciation in this yoga. Everywhere there is talk of renunciation. Why you don't say? Say if you have this feeling that you are renouncing something and it is pinching you, it's no more of any value. There is one place where she says something even more powerful. It's like an admonition. 
if you remember what you have given to the divine then the divine will not have the need to remember it if you remember what you have given to the divine then the divine will have no need to remember it then it is to your own ego and vanity that you have offered and not to the divine i am the giver somebody had asked that i want to give money for golkund but i want my name to be put on a slab of stone and mother says okay put it on the floor with the name now nobody likes that no everybody wants some prominent place not on the floor where people will step they had their own way somebody gave a some money and ashur bindu dravyagya that's how she says in the prayers and meditation it's about sacrifice some give their money some give their life some give all of themselves some give their soul to the divine there are some who give everything they are the true children of god others who give nothing whatever their value in the outer world are for the divine purposes valueless ciphers so you know somebody gave to shirvind offered something say i want this money to be used in this 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 way so yes what should we do shirvind says accept the money reject the suggestions <laughs> what kind of offering is this accept the money reject the suggestions it's not easy to be able to give to the divine there is that uh, another story where somebody gave money to mother and the mother with a red pen struck off the check and said not accepted what was the reason we don't know not accepted where is there is another where a you know a a beggar not a beggar but a very poor man who has not met the mother but heard about her and she says i have heard so much about your mother that i feel like giving something to her please carry this 1 rupee and the disciples came and gave it to the mother mother went into a trance holding it she said the divine will find it difficult to repay this the divine will find it difficult this act of giving and how the divine values it we have that other story where there is a minister who is waiting in the queue for darshan and the mother is busy with the child something has fallen on the frock and she is cleaning and all this and the disciple said mother there was a minister was waiting he has gone away he was so restless he says yes but this child has given herself to me so completely the divine gives himself when we give to the divine so that's the joyous sacrifice loving sacrifice it's not giving with the idea of i am the giver i am giving so he reminds us and we see this in shubhendu's own life <clears throat> with sacrifice as their companion says the geeta the all father created these peoples sacrifice is the practical recognition by the ego that it is neither alone in the world nor chief in the world and that in that which is not its egoistic self there is something greater completer which demands from it subordination and service sacrifice is compelled by nature but if the sacrifice is done unconsciously egoistically without knowledge or acceptance of the true meaning of the great world right it produces only mechanical effects or a painful progress for the individual it is only when the heart the will and the knowledge associate themselves with the law 
that there comes the real joy and fruitfulness of sacrifice the knowledge that it is done as an offering for the to the divine for the sake of the divine then it bears really and then do we have to abandon people in our life he reminds us not for the sake of the wife is the wife dear to us says yagivalk in the upanishad but for the sake of the self and while this is true in a lower sense of egoistic love it is equally true in a higher sense of the love which is not egoistic so he takes it to the next level all love and all sacrifice are in their essence nature's contradiction of the primary egoism and then toward the end says what we have to really sacrifice this profound idea of sacrifice is the basis of the teaching in the gita it is from the synthesis of yoga we can see at once that it differs from the ordinary idea in as much as its essence is not self immolation and its tendency is to discourage self mortification self torture self mutilation and self effacement so that's why people who didn't understand they still have the old idea of sanyas so they ask the mother why is she wearing nice sarees why she has put a lipstick or a perfume and imagine the mother had to explain to such wonderful disciples that well somebody gives me <laughs> i receive it and accept it as part of his love and what she would do she would wear it and give it away thanks to those number of sarees chappals i think here also we have that we have such a wonderful collection all this was the for posterity she was leaving it for all of us people would give her chappal she would no no i don't wear chappal look at the difference sanyasi would say no no i don't i walk on floor you know but on the floor you must put leaves so that i don't step on the earth but step on leaves that's what surinda jor had once told one of these naga sanyasi that everything is fine your talk on detachment but you are too attached to your detachment so sacrifice none of these things it's such a joyous giving here she was touching everything and with those that benediction she has given it as gifts to the world shubhendu gives this example of a king touching and making turning it into a nazrana you see when people brought to the king king would look at it they would uncover king will touch it and say give it to the praja so everything that came if you look at shirvindu and the mother they didn't use anything for themselves the mother's life even more she didn't even have a room for herself so when we read their life it's something so amazing but the geeta discourages this path what is that path these things may be temporarily necessary when the egoism is violent and obstinate and has to be met by a sort of answering internal violence and repression but the geeta discourages this path the self within is really the god himself it is krishna it is the divine and it has not to be troubled and tortured as the titans of the world trouble and torture themselves but to be fostered and cherished what has to be discouraged expelled slain is the band of its enemies desire wrath inequality the attachment to outward pleasures and pains which are the cause of its errors and sufferings the nature of sacrifice is self giving not self immolation its object is not self effacement but self fulfillment 
so we see that typically because many time people ask that you know always we are very impressed somebody went to himalaya and came back after 10 years of doing some sadhana he left his wife children everything incidentally this is another aspect shobindo did not leave anybody you see this is another misconception he left his wife and went no he didn't do that he came at the behest of an inner command this is the seat of tapasya but always it was understood that she may come and join him and in fact when she was coming to join him that is the time when on the way she had uh, malaria and she died that's a different story altogether the divine plan but he did not leave outwardly but inwardly we see even the highest ideals of that time he was hailed as the national hero and yet because there is something greater something higher something more beautiful so this is the inspiration we get from shurvindo's life may we make our own life a constant sacrifice to the eternal this the message and the beautiful thing we get from shubindu's life as an example god's own example as he says in the gita he says it is so important what was god's own example in the gita's context shri krishna tells arjuna there is nothing which i have to gain for myself and yet i engage myself in the path of action because if i were not to do it the world would collapse so we have the example of shubindu's life as a yogi as a priest of the sacrifice and all of us you know there is a head priest and all of us become chinna chinna priest but chinna priest to become we have to find the psychic being until we do that because it is the priest within us until we do that we'll always be moving in the circles of enlarging egoism this is the indian way of life indian conception so all other ideals we have to leave aside at this altar at this flame light up the flame make our body and life the house of sacrifice to the eternal that is the path they have shown by their own life as an example yes so i'll use the indian terms for that i get that sense uh, there are two things nigraha and sayama self control is sayama nigraha is forced suppression which shri krishna says in the gita how will coercion of course the mother said that you can do it <laughs> she gave the way of offering neither of them she gave the way that offering shobindu used the word rejection rejection is different from suppression or repression suppression is fine still but repression because repression means that we are not even conscious of what is entering us but either rejection or offering is done when we become conscious so there is a difference when we consciously control an impulse then yes we have taken a step higher definitely but the right way to control is through sayama first that's there is a very beautiful essay of his in essays divine and human and it's called the process of evolution and shubindu precisely talks about that that if you try nigraha in the beginning it violently backlashes then some people try self immolation that's what he was referring but even there he says band of enemies so let's take one thing let's take one of the biggest problems in mankind lust and fear or fear is the greatest impurity but fear is something of a different order lust 
So what does one do? That's why Sayama, which is called regulate it, sublimate it, sublimate it by, that's why you see in Ashram, she created such wonderful, so many physical activities. So that you are so busy and occupied with it. It's not that one doesn't observe it, but one starts, it becomes much easier to reject. But she is not advising us to go into guilt. There are people, I know yogis who take medicines to finish a certain instinct. That's an unnatural way. Or sannyasis will completely isolate themselves into, you know, they will dry the senses. Typical example is Dilip Kumar Roy, where he was, see, they come from the Indriya and it's seeking for pleasure. If you go to its root, the organ of pleasure is, of course, in the mind, but through the Indriyas. So that's where he spoke about these things, that if you suppress it the way nigraha, then you dry it up completely. But when you practice sanyama and keep offering it, so there is a very fine kind of a, if I may use the word, like a laser surgery, precise surgery. Yes, of course, there is no indulgence. But at the same time, if there is indulgence, it's not guilt. It's a very thin line that one passes through. Because guilt saps the energy. Knowing human nature, what it is. See, that's why many things in the ashram are so difficult to understand. There is no indulgence in it, that's right. But if, because human nature is such, so that's why they left certain things. If you read through the letters, very interesting. That's why they never gave such a strong do's and don'ts list because human beings will go into the other aspect of guilt and all that. So one offers and keeps on exercising sanyama. Let's say, let's take the sexual impulse, okay? Let's take the bull by the head. So one is led to a point of indulgence. Let me put it like that. The impulse has almost overpowered. Even while you are indulging, keep offering it and think of the divine. This, there is a letter of, you know, um, Eleanor Montgomery, where she writes to Shurbindo that how come during this act I had an experience of the self? Because she was precisely trying that. So what will happen is the mind which takes the pleasure, that is, that is something you can still turn. And after some time, you'll see how it goes. It becomes more and more mechanical. And then finally, it goes away from the system because the mind and the vital have stopped giving any assent to it. But mechanically, habitually, it will continue. Then, when we stop giving an ascent, habitually it may come back, it becomes very weak actually. Then it becomes easy to nigra. But even when one doesn't, it goes into the environmental consciousness of the subcontent, has a tendency to come up in dreams. And then eventually it will go away. This is the process. It's not like nigra that today onwards, I will master. One Shukadev, yes. But not all are Shukadev. So we have to understand that. It's a process. That's why in Indian thought you have the concept of graduality. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. Shubhinda speaks about that. Okay. So, thank you.